Good morning, and Happy New Year. We have some announcements this morning before we begin our worship. Uh, a couple things. First of all, today is Hospitality Sunday, so we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, during the AM service here, uh, and a special collection is going to be taken for the Mercy Fund, so if you want to designate that, there's envelopes in the seat backs in front of you. Make sure you designate that givings for Mercy Fund or have that on your check. Um, also, there's no Sunday school this week, uh, but the classes will start back again next week. Uh, Jeff and Jonathan both are going to be out of town this coming week. They'll both be back next Sunday, uh, but Pastor Dan will be the only one left in the office. Um, so if you need anything during that week, you can reach out to Pastor Dan. Um, the women's prayer team uh, is, in, is inviting all women to participate in a 30-day prayer challenge. You all should have received a packet in your mailbox. Um, there are extra packets in a basket on the information center for anyone who does not have a mailbox. There will also be a Redeemer open house next Sunday, January 8th at the Champs. If you would like to come, please contact either Dick or Janet or sign up online. The information is in the bulletin, but as I read through it, uh, it does not start at 12.15 a.m. You can blame the, the temporary office, office administrator for that. Um, finally, on Wednesday, January 11th, Eric Huxima will be giving a presentation here at the church um, for all the Grand Rapids Bay supporters to give more detail on his work in Ukraine. He was here a couple weeks ago, uh, and it's another great opportunity to be able to learn more about what they've been doing as they prepare to be able to go back. Uh, there is an insert um, in your bulletin. There's more information in there, if that's correct. So, and um, also, if you are a visitor here, if you can text welcome to the number up on the screen if you wanted to learn more about the opportunities we have to be involved here at Redeemer. So please prepare your hearts and your minds as we get ready for worship. as we draw near to our God to offer worship to him, we are reminded that he is the God who is making all things new, that in him is life and light. And in response to this God, uh, he calls us now to sing a new song to him in this new year. And our call to worship comes from Psalm 96, verses 1 through 3. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works 
among all the peoples. Let's stand and do just that with joy to the world. Let's go to our God in prayer and ask him to bless our service. O triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you that you are the covenant-keeping God, that you show your faithfulness from generation to generation. As the years pass, kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. But you remain the same. Lord, you are wonderful in your power, in your wisdom, and your love. And we ask now that as we gather as your people to offer you praise, to lift our prayers to you, to hear your word proclaimed, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us by your spirit, 
that we would know you and love you more fully, that we would commit ourselves to you in all of our ways, that we would seek the, the new obedience that is pleasing to you out of, out of gratitude for all the wonderful things that you have done, Lord. And we ask, our God, that you would remove from our hearts those distractions and those sins which would keep us from offering to you all that we are. Lord, may we, may we present our lives as a living sacrifice to you, holy and pleasing, our God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to praise with Jesus' joy of highest heaven.
You may be seated. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, a section of scripture that is often referred to as the Ten Commandments, where God reveals His holy law. And this morning we're going to be looking at the first three verses, which includes the very first commandment. Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, once said uh, that uh, you cannot break any of the other nine commandments without also breaking the first commandment. Uh, What he meant by that was whatever else we do when we sin, we end up making something else God that is not God. Uh, We end up having to worship something beside God in order to sin. So in some sense, every sin that we commit, we're also breaking the first commandment. Hear now the word of our God. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So far the reading of God's word. As we come to a time of of repentance, uh, both private and corporate, I would encourage you to reflect on uh, your past week, uh, but even your past year. Uh, This is a time when many of us uh, consider the year ahead and think of what would we like to do different? How would we like to grow? What resolutions do we have? And I would encourage you now uh, to consider what ways you might be growing in holiness. What things might you be dying to in your life that, that would entangle your, your heart and lead you away from your God. So let me encourage you now. Go to your God in private. Confess your sin. And I will lead us in a time of, of corporate confession of sin. Almighty and gracious God, Lord, we draw near to you to recognize our sin. Lord, to recognize the ways that we have fallen short of your righteous standard. Lord, that in our words and our actions and even our thoughts, Lord, we have not honored you with all that we are. We have not worshipped you as our creator, redeemer. Rather, 
We have worshipped the things that you have created. Lord, we, we worship money and power. Lord, we, re, we worship relationships and houses. Our God, we worship trips and all the things that we might consume. Lord, forgive us. Lord, we repent. Lord, as we think of the newness of a new year, Lord, remind us of the newness that comes in Christ that should mark our lives. Lord, this is the reason that you came, that, you, that we would be forgiven and, and worship you with all that we are, with our every breath, not just here on Sundays, but throughout the week. Lord, forgive us for making our lives about ourselves rather than you. Lord, lead us into a deeper worship this year. Lord, help us to see ourselves more clearly by, by helping us to see you more clearly, Lord, that we would recognize our sin and, and, and recognize your righteousness, Lord, but that we would also see your love and mercy, Lord. And we know that we, we understand you best when we look to Christ. So give us a, a, a deeper vision of who Jesus is, that we would see how truly splendid and wonderful he is, that we would be reminded of his work on the cross daily, hourly, Lord, even moment by moment, that, that, that he would be set before our eyes, that we would live anew. Lord, we thank you for your spirit who works in our hearts to produce righteousness. We pray, Lord, that, that we would pursue after that new way. Father, we thank you for the joy of redemption for your, for your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hear now this promise of pardon and trust that if you have confessed your sins and are trusting in the blood of Christ for your forgiveness, these words are true of you. But you are a God ready to forgive gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Our God in His mercy has not forsaken us. We have not been forsaken because of our sin, but we have been brought in, made sons and daughters of the Most High. What good news we have in Jesus. Let's stand and sing in thankfulness to Him. Crown him.
Join me in a prayer of thanksgiving. Dear Father in heaven, today we start a new year, a year full of blessings and a time to give thanks to you for all things, for all good things come from the Lord. We ask that you give us a spirit of thankfulness this year, that we may honor you, that we may see your hand in our lives each day. May we have patience in all that happens this year. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. We ask that everyone here would come to love you with their whole hearts. We ask for a spirit of joy to come over us, a contagious joy that would spread to all around us, a joy so strong that people would want to know where it came from, and that we would be able to share that joy with many this year. Father, we thank you for the past year, for all that you have done for us. Thankful for those that you have healed, for those you have given hope, and for those who found peace. Knowing when we give thanks and to give things into your hands, we will find peace and joy with whatever the outcome is. Lord, we give thanks for our church, for bringing us all together. Knowing we have different backgrounds and different ideas, we ask for unity as we come together to worship you. We are thankful we can find support and friendship here, knowing we are all tied together through the love of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for our pastors, Dan, Jonathan, and Jeff. May you give them wisdom and courage in leading this congregation. We ask that you'd be with Pastor Jonathan this morning as he brings us your word. Thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to give. May we give from our hearts, and would you use these gifts to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
and we uh, were able to get some of the wonderful music that we didn't get last weekend, so just very blessed. Thank you, Lindsay, for getting that arranged, and just very blessed this morning. Well, thank you for those of you that knew that I got the flu and was sick and in bed for almost two weeks. Um, I just appreciate your prayers for that. I'm sure many of you are either in the midst of that or have been there too, and uh, as someone said this morning, tis the season, so... Um, we can continue praying for one another for that, as well as those that are on our prayer list. So let's go before our great God in prayer. Father, we come and we praise you for the opportunity that you give to us to come before your throne, your throne of grace, and to come boldly asking that you would be the one to receive glory as you answer the prayers that we bring to you. We come to you on behalf of a friend of our church, uh, Richard Doma, as he is recovering from a stem cell transplant, and uh, just pray for him, for his wife, uh, Leah, uh, as he's recovering uh, from chemo. And uh, we just pray that this uh, transplant is a successful one and that you will uh, bring about full healing as only you can do. We also pray for Joshua Hill. Thank you that his hernia surgery went well. and. Uh, we pray for his recovery now, that you would ease his pain from the surgery as well as healing the rash that was caused by the uh, pre-op soap, and uh, that he would just know your presence and your care and just help him to heal fully and quickly. We pray for uh, Mickey Kite and for your strengthening for her, for your blessing upon her and her time with her family, and that you would just build her up. Lord, we pray for Zach Francois and for all of our MAF workers as they experience the deterioration of order uh, all over Haiti. And we pray that you would give them uh, courage and strength and protect them uh, during the midst of that conflict and uh, the struggle as they seek to get the gospel continually in, in that, the midst of that turmoil. Lord, we pray for my mom, uh, Clarice Lord. We pray that you would give us wisdom as we discern uh, the direction to go uh, with conflicting advice from doctors and that you would enable the right path. Uh, to lead her to the best opportunity to ease her back pain and, and deal with the cancer uh, successfully. And uh, just pray that you would provide your powerful healing and your encouragement. But we also pray for Gail Stahl. Thank you that she is uh, progressing very well and in recovery. And just pray that you would bless her with good health for many years to come. We also pray for our expectant parents, for the Gablers and Meyer Dirks, for the Oars and the Medemuts, for the Dykes, and for the um, Adams, Lord, we just thank you for um, the gift of these little ones and that you would protect them in the womb and provide all that is necessary for the moms as they carry them and that uh, you would just give your great care to each of these families. We also pray for Spencer Mills, our sister church in Gowan, and just pray that as they desire to make known your gospel uh, to that community and to all nations, uh, Lord, that you would give them your help uh, and your guidance and your care uh, every step of the way, and that uh, you would strengthen their leaders and uh, accomplish your perfect purposes through that church. We also pray for our U.S. Supreme Court Associate Justice uh, Stephen Breyer, and uh, Lord, you alone uh, can help him to understand his role and uh, do so recognizing that he's 
doing so under an authority that's been delegated by the highest judge of the universe and that uh, he would do so uh, acknowledging that with reverence and with fear and that you would help uh, in his role in our government. We also pray for those serving in our military. We pray for Derek and Eric, for Chris and Ken, Zach and Robert and David, and that uh, we're grateful for the way that you have used them to serve in our country and uh, to uh, give them the help and the protection that they need in the area of the military that they serve. We also pray for your help for the frontline workers in Nigeria as they are um, providing trauma services uh, for those in uh, the militant areas of Africa that are attacking Christians on a regular basis. Lord, we pray for you to help those who have been under this regular and intense trauma and just how that has affected them in their relationships, and we just pray that you would overcome uh, the devil's destruction and enable them to maintain healthy relationships and just to perform the basic tasks of life. We pray in particular for Tina. Uh, she has lost her husband five years ago. Lord, thank you for her faith that she holds on to your promises that you are the father of the fatherless and a husband to widows. We are so grateful for these promises and would ask that you would work in our hearts even at this time as we turn to your word and we ask that you would lead us by the power of your spirit into all truth and you would do so for your glory's sake we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This being uh, New Year's Day, millions, if not billions of people, uh, are making New Year's resolutions. Now, to change uh, something in the coming year is usually what we try to focus on in our resolutions. Now, if you have done that, perhaps in the past, or perhaps you're doing it again this year, what is the most frustrating thing about New Year's resolutions? Not keeping them, right? So, uh, very often we make these commitments and, you know, we wonder why do we even do it if we know that we're not going to keep it? Well, uh, every single human being has a deep desire in their hearts for change. We know things are not as they should be, and so we are hoping for life to be better. But when we limit ourselves to man's method for improving life, we will always be disappointed. Now, instead of focusing on New Year's resolutions, we will focus on Christ and on covenant renewal through Him. And so the Lord relates to His people by the new covenant. And so the Lord is going to show us from our uh, text this morning what it means for Him to relate to us and make us more and more like Jesus. So if you would like to see that change in your life, to become more like Jesus, follow with me as I read our text from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 32. This is the Word of our God. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, 
and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Just to give a little context of uh, the New Year's resolution, uh, this idea uh, began in ancient times uh, all the way back in Babylon over 4,000 years ago. The Babylonians would often make the resolution to return something uh, that was borrowed uh, over uh, the new year. Now, can you just imagine if you got back everything you lent out uh, last year, it'd be like Christmas all over again. So uh, that's kind of a nice thing. But the Romans continued that tradition, uh, and they uh, made the resolution to seek forgiveness of enemies uh, that they had made over the previous year. Now, as you know, modern New Year's resolutions mostly focus on health, wealth, and family. I wonder why that is. Well, probably because during Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's the time that you eat the most, spend the most, and see your family the most, right? If you uh, are guilty of eating too much, then you naturally lead you to want to eat less and exercise more in the new year. Maybe the guilt of spending too much on our credit cards, right? For Christmas presents, we feel like, oh man, I need to spend less or make more in the new year. Or the extra time with family, we feel guilty like, oh, we should spend more time with each other during the year. So this year is going to be different, right? So as well-intended as people's resolutions are, the vast majority of them fail before January is over. And so we need to stop putting our trust in ourselves and in commitments that have no real accountability. The Lord relates to us as a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. And we have been given a covenant renewal ceremony that we enjoy on the first Sunday of every year. And today just happens to be New Year's Day. Now, we may think about communion as a somber celebration for how it reminds us of Christ's sacrifice, Uh, but it was uh, not as common, perhaps, maybe in your thinking, uh, that this is actually a covenant renewal ceremony. I was greatly helped by the Puritan uh, Edmund Calamy, Uh, who made a significant case for communion as a time of renewing uh, our vows to becoming more like Christ. Now, to partake of communion in a worthy manner, we receive the whole Christ by faith. And it was John Calvin, the Westminster Confession of Faith, and Francis Turretin that have helped us see the significance of the threefold office that Jesus has of prophet, priest, and and king. Jesus demonstrates these three offices in our text today. And so we will learn to receive the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner by faith and renew our submission to Christ as king and to receive the whole Christ as prophet, priest, and king. And so we learn, first of all, the promise that Christ the prophet overcomes ignorance. Christ the prophet 
overcomes ignorance. Look again at verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. Now, the Apostle Paul writing this letter to the Corinthians, he received the gospel message and the practice of communion, and it was his responsibility to pass it on to the church and to help them to practice it in a faithful way. Paul began this very letter in verse 1 when he said that he was called by the will of God to be an apostle. So an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, an apostle is an authoritative messenger, right, who delivers what the Lord has given to him to faithfully bring it to God's people. Now, Paul did not invent the Lord's Supper. No, the greatest prophet, the Lord Jesus, instituted communion as a fulfillment of the Passover, right? Moses was the first prophet to enact the Passover based on God's instruction. And after that time, we read in Deuteronomy 18.18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. He not only brings us the Word of God, but Jesus is the Word of God incarnate, right, in the flesh. He is the fulfillment of all that the prophets have spoken throughout all of the Old Testament from the very beginning of God's revelation. And so he has the authority, Jesus has the authority to renew the Passover and to inaugurate the new covenant at that particular time with his disciples by creating the Lord's Supper. So as the greatest prophet, Jesus enables us to receive the fullness of the grace of God by faith alone, right? To partake of the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner, we must do so by saving faith. We know from Romans chapter 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so as prophet, Jesus overcomes our ignorance And so we learn first that saving faith requires the knowledge of Christ's person, right? The first sub-point is saving faith requires the knowledge of Christ's person. Look at the end of verse 23. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is the Messiah, God's promised Savior. He instituted the Lord's Supper on the night he was betrayed. He taught us to understand communion correctly by seeing that it points us to who he is. He is, or he says, this is my body, this is my blood. And so I will focus more on the idea of him in his substitutionary sacrifice when we look at him as priest. But for now, looking with the eyes of faith at the person of Jesus, the prophet Jesus and promised Savior. We have to uh, see that with the knowledge that's given to us from the Scriptures. But saving faith is not just knowing about Jesus. It's actually belief in Christ's work. 
right? Saving faith is not just the information, but it's actually believing Jesus is who he says he is and that he did what he said that he did. But receiving the whole Christ by faith in a worthy manner is not just believing it's true, but thirdly, it's actually trusting in Christ's promises. Saving faith requires trust in Christ's promises. Look at verse 25. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, this remembrance is not a mere memorial. It's looking on the elements that point us to Christ's body being broken in your place, right? His blood being poured out to death for you. Saving faith is trusting that uh, promise of Christ. And so I would encourage you that when the elements are passed out, that you would look at those elements in your hand, And pause for a moment, right? We've already confessed our our sins, but perhaps there's other sins that come to mind during the sermon or uh, in your mind when you're sitting there holding those elements and you're confessing uh, those to the Lord. Do you believe that the sins that you confess to the Lord actually deserve eternal punishment of hell for offending a holy and eternal God? If, If that is not what you understand your sins uh, deserve, then it's, we cannot partake of communion in a worthy manner. We have to recognize what our sins actually deserve and that it's not you that was broken, but it was Christ in your place. Do you believe that your sins deserve eternal death and separation from the grace of God forever? And then you look at the cup and you realize it's not me that was rejected. It's not my blood that was poured out. It was Christ's blood in my place. And so knowing, believing, and trusting these promises is how we can partake of the supper in a worthy manner. But Jesus goes a step further to make us like him. He makes us his prophets. We are called to proclaim the gospel to all nations. We have been given the great commission. And even by by celebrating this supper, we have a opportunity to be prophets in verse 26. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so every time you hear the institution read and a pastor explain it, and as we partake by faith in the promises of Christ contained in the Lord's Supper, we proclaim as faithful prophets the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, it's to those that are seeing it on the internet, it's to those that are here in our presence, uh, it's to however far that message goes, but we also have to recognize it's also to the children of the church. Now, just think about how the Lord has designed the curiosity of children and how calling them to not partake uh, is, is... you know, why is everybody getting to do this except for me, right? There's a natural curiosity that is there, and it gives parents the opportunity to explain and to proclaim the life and death 
of Jesus Christ. If you would like help with that, please contact any of your pastors. We would love to walk alongside you as you do that with your children. Pastor Dan leads a communicants class uh, to enable our children and youth to make a credible profession of faith and to know what it is to partake of the supper in a worthy manner. But Christ is not only a prophet who overcomes our ignorance, right? We learn secondly that Christ is the priest who overcomes guilt, right? First, the prophet overcomes ignorance, but also the priest that overcomes guilt. Look at verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus did not offer the blood of bulls and goats, but he offered his own body and blood as the Passover lamb. Now we learn most about Jesus' role as our great high priest from the book of Hebrews. We learn in chapter 9, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. I would encourage you to spend more time in the book of Hebrews learning about what it is to see Christ as our great high priest, but at least observe that when he made a sacrifice, it was once for all. It was not the continual sacrifices that the priests offered in the time of the Levitical priests, right? He offered it once for all to redeem us eternally in that one sacrifice, and that it is the perfect fulfillment uh, of the only way that we can have our guilt taken away. So to partake of the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner, we must trust Christ alone could become our substitute and take the penalty for our guilt upon himself once for all. We learn in verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And so if we just partake of this supper as a tradition, right, we don't grasp the fullness of God's promises being fulfilled in Christ by faith, then we were eating in an unworthy manner and our guilt remains. But Jesus invites us to serve as priest of our own consciences in verse 28. He says, let a person examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so if you look at your life and you say, man, you know, I know I'm a sinner. You know, nobody's perfect. No big deal. Well, that's not a thorough exam of your Life. We began this morning a series of confessions using the Ten Commandments, and we're going to also use the Westminster Larger Catechism. Uh, the Ten Commandments are a summary, and the Larger Catechism enables us to um, unpack uh, each of those commandments in a much 
broader way throughout the rest of Scripture, helping us to realize how much is going on when we break each of those commandments. Now, we sin against the Lord far more uh, by sins of omission than we really realize. I mean, I remember as a new Christian learning that I could be sitting at home and doing nothing and sinning against the Lord because I'm not actively doing what He has commanded me to do, and that just blew my mind. But we also transgress, right? We also have sins of commission. We commit sins. We cross the boundaries uh, that God has set up like guardrails to protect us from the destruction that comes from breaking His commands. And so I would encourage you to pick up the Westminster Larger Catechism and spend some time using it as a tool for yourself in your own self-examination and confessing those sins to the Lord. Uh, This last week, uh, I put into your mailbox, and I also emailed uh, those who are on our email list, uh, another tool called Characteristics of the Self-Life. And this uses God's Word to prick our consciences in many of the most common ways that we sin against the Lord. That was uh, a tool that was given to me when I first became a Christian about 25 years ago uh, at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, and one that I have found very helpful, so I hope it was helpful to you. But we have to understand that these tools, the, the, the purpose of it is not just to heap guilt and more guilt and more guilt on your head until you just feel as horrible as you possibly can and feel righteous for feeling horrible. Like that's, that's not the goal is to keep that guilt uh, born on your shoulders, right? That's what the devil wants to do. The devil is the one who is the accuser of the saints. He wants you to keep that guilt the whole time and just live defeated for the rest of your life. What Jesus came to do was take that guilt off and to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can have a renewed and a free conscience that can walk with the Lord daily in new obedience. And so that brings us to Christ's third role. Christ the King also overcomes corruption. First, Christ the prophet overcomes ignorance. Second, Christ the priest overcomes guilt. And third, Christ the king overcomes corruption. Look at verse 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now, our king will not overlook the abuse of this precious gift of the Lord's Supper. He defends it because we need to see the seriousness of the blessings, but therefore the seriousness of the curses involved as well. This supper is covenantal, and the Lord brings very real consequences upon its abuse. There have been a variety of attitudes over the centuries towards the Lord's Supper by God's people. There are many people, unfortunately, that are very lackadaisical about the supper. They're not careful to eat at all. They mock the Lord's Supper by not taking it seriously. For them, it doesn't matter who administers it. Um, Some have even blasphemously used pizza and Coke as if those were elements that could be used in communion. Such lax views are much more similar to what the Corinthians were experiencing uh, during the, the time that Paul wrote this letter. There was chaos in Corinth, and Paul had to come and rein in the way that they were abusing the, the Lord's Supper and their lackadaisical uh, way of living. 
And so Scripture tells us uh, that God will not tolerate these things, and it says very clearly in verse 30, that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. If we don't take communion seriously, then we may receive the consequences of weakness, sickness, and even death for mocking the Lord. But as the sinners that we are, sometimes we can swing the pendulum from being lackadaisical all the way over to becoming legalistic, right? There are some Christian traditions where there is only a handful of people in the church that actually partake of communion. They view themselves, or maybe the elders only view this small handful of people as actually worthy of partaking of the Lord's Supper. Yes, we need to take God's warnings seriously and to receive the whole Christ by faith as prophet, priest, and king, but we ought to fear the Lord in all the things that He has said in His Word and to not place heavier burdens on God's people than what we ourselves are willing to bear, because that was the practice of the scribes and Pharisees. It says in Matthew 23, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Right? So we cannot uh, examine another person's heart. There's no way for you to read and discern and know perfectly exactly what's going on in another person's heart. The elders are called to examine a person's profession of faith. Is it a credible profession of faith? But you cannot determine a person's heart. And so that's why the warnings of God are placed upon the consciences of God's people so that they can judge themselves and discern whether they recognize what is happening in this supper or not, and whether they should be partaking of that supper. And so, it's God's Word that should be convicting, not the legalistic hedges that man creates around it. So when we appeal to individual consciences, then we can partake of the Lord's Supper and experience real freedom and, tr- and fr- freedom from corruption and true liberty, right? So not lackadaisical, right? Not legalistic, but true liberty. Jesus provided this supper for sinners, and sinners we are. We need to grasp the weightiness uh, of our sins so that we can then appreciate the fullness of the grace that we are receiving through Christ. And that means 10 looks at Christ for every look at ourselves, right? When we examine ourselves, we need to look at Jesus 10 times more than we focus on ourselves. So that is why this supper is taken seriously and why it is a proclamation of the person and work of Jesus. But Jesus invites us, thirdly, into this kingly role that he has by judging our own souls. We read in verse 31, but if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Do you see the grace of our King? 
He took our place and endured such hostility against himself to enable us to know what it is to walk under the pressure of temptation. We read in Hebrews chapter 12, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, he, when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Now, none of us like discipline. But the Lord demonstrates his love by showing us where the boundaries are. Boundaries are like guardrails so that we don't go over the edge to our own destruction. Now, I don't know where your heart is this morning. Perhaps you have resisted the Lord in significant ways. And you hear him calling you back to himself. Have your sins brought you the satisfaction that you were seeking? Or have they brought you only disappointment and an even deeper black hole just demanding more? That is the only thing our sins ever give to us is that black hole that desires more. It's never, ever, ever actually satisfying. Hear the call of Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. Repent of your sins and find true freedom of conscience as you learn to walk with him in the light of life. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Amen. Father, as we come to you, and acknowledge, Lord, our own hypocrisy. Lord, we know these things. Hardly anything I said is probably even new to our ears. And yet, Lord, we still recognize this fight with the, the variety of temptations in our lives. And we ask that you would renew us in obedience. Help us to recognize the foolishness of our sin to recognize it will never bring what the lies promise that it will and that you alone can bring satisfaction, that you alone can help our hearts know the love and the care that it, we need so desperately and that it is only found in a satisfying way by faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your faithfulness. Enable us to praise you with all of our hearts both in song as well as in the celebration of this supper. For your glory, we pray. Amen. Well, our Lord's faithfulness is indeed great. Let us stand and sing about it.
Thank you, and you may be seated. We come now to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ, and you've already heard the words of institution and even the fencing of the table. So if you are a baptized and professing member in a church that professes the gospel of God's free grace in Jesus Christ, then you are welcome to come to the Lord's table. The Lord's Supper is for sinners. So come believing, come rejoicing in His grace that all of the promises in Christ are yes. And so let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we praise You for welcoming us to Your table. We are amazed that You would lay down Your life for sinners like us. We ask You to set apart these elements so that by faith we may feast and be nourished by the fullness of your perfect love as we hold it in our hands, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed." The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. <coughs> Excuse me. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ's body was broken in your place. Partake with thanks. After the supper, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant given in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. He entered once for all into the holy places not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. 
This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. perfect life of Jesus was poured out in your place. Partake with thanks. Lord Jesus, as we consider what it is to be made one with you by faith, we are so grateful for the promises that we get to experience even tangibly in this supper. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit at work who alone can sanctify sinners like us. Make us more like you and in this new year to reflect the glory of Christ in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds in a way that we can actually set an example for others and not point them away from you. You alone can do that work, we pray in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Please stand for the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and forever.